0: We're in Exodus 18, and we're continuing in our current sermon series, Leaving the Wilderness. We've looked at why God had them go through the wilderness. There was a much quicker route, but we we understand the specific why he didn't let them go. Sometimes when we're in a season of dryness, a season of wilderness, we don't always know why. But he was faithful to do a work in their lives, and he'll be faithful in this season, and we need to let him do that work in our lives. And then we looked at a couple of things. How did God sustain them while they were in that period in the desert? And we looked at worship and Sabbath and how God gave that to them so that they would be encouraged and sustained. Well, this morning we're going to look at another gift of God, another pattern for how it is you and I come out of the chaos of the wilderness well. It's a gift that God has given to his people and it's his people for you and I to get through wilderness well we're reminded here and it's it's woven into the wilderness experience it's woven into the DNA of of Christianity and also our Wesleyan tradition that we allow people to encourage us and speak to us now we're going to look at a couple of reasons specifically in Jethro's model but listen it's, it's mandated everywhere. You can't get away from the commands of God that we ought to uh, allow others to speak into our lives. Not only is it mandated, uh, but it's, it's just part of our makeup. If we're made in the image of God, if we're made in the triune God's image, then we are gonna be people of relationships. And it's also modeled. You look throughout scriptures, there's model after model of people allowing other people into their lives. It's, it's, it's right for us to look at this today on Mother's Day because you see that pattern of family and of parents being the voice and encouragement of God to their children. From our recent Bible reading plan, we've been in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.5, uh, where Paul, again, is mentoring Timothy, he says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it's in you as well. Talking about the importance of family, even our psalm for this week, just yesterday, Psalm 68, uh, verse 6, says God sets the lonely in families. I listened to a podcast yesterday that talked about in the Wesleyan tradition how important families are for sharing faith. Those spiritual conversations we can have of praying together, of reading together. And I know that Corey and and Renee and Ben and I would love to help you with that if you need resources for that. We see the model throughout scriptures of families who encourage and speak truth to each other. But it's also modeled the importance of other children of God speaking to us. You see that model of, of being a mentor to somebody else. Again, in our recent Bible reading plan uh, in, in 2 Timothy, you see that model of Paul to Timothy. Or going back to our recent reading plan in 1 Samuel, you see Samuel mentoring David. Our response is not complete. Until we are investing in and mentoring others. That's what Jesus does. That's what the early church does. That's what Paul does. In some ways that's what Jethro does here and Moses also does for Joshua. We say that we're a family, a church family who centers our life around building faithful disciples who serve Jesus Christ. It is critical to be built up, but that being built up then has to spill out into self-giving relationships. How is it that you and I are answering that call uh, to mentor others? Our, our discipleship's not complete until we are making disciples, building up other disciples. And then we also see that model of friendships. In our Bible reading plan, we've been talking about Paul to Timothy, but also in Acts, you see Paul and Barnabas. Uh, you see in our Bible reading plan, 1 Samuel, Jonathan, David and the critical nature of those friendships and we talked about that two years ago in the ABC uh, sermon series but for today it's that relationship of will I let somebody mentor me will I let somebody speak to me regardless of my age or my status or how no matter how long I've been in the faith will I let somebody speak into my life Uh, it's interesting The first heretics of the church were God-fearing monks, some of the first. Uh, They went out purposefully into the desert to get alone with God. They went out purposely into the desert to find God's will and to find truth, and they accidentally came back from the desert because they were all alone and without others to speak into their lives. And they came back believing just some crazy things. Look, you don't want to be a wild monk pagan, right? That's what happens when we get alone. We can slip into idolatry. We can slip. If nobody speaks into my life, I could slip into being a bully and not even know it. I could become unproductive, I could become coarse, I'd become a grouch. I could become impatient. I could be less than God intends me to be unless I have these two things that you see Jethro gift to Moses because Moses allowed him to speak. And you get to that last verse Moses did what Jethro said. He received what Jethro gave him. Now we might miss the first point, and the first is this, and you see it in verses 5 through 16. He gifts him encouragement. Before we get to the accountability part, before we get to the correction part, he gives to him encouragement. And again, if you've been in our Bible reading plan, it's the same thing you see with Samuel to David. It's the same thing you see with Paul to Timothy, and you're seeing Jethro give it to Moses here. He, he talks about their shared faith. Now Moses is giving testimony, to beginning our passage, giving testimony about God's faithfulness and his goodness. And listen to what Jethro responds in verse 11. Now I know that God is greater than all gods. Who admits that to another guy? Who says to another person, you know what, I really see that now through your testimony. You don't don't share that kind of encouragement and you don't let that kind of flattery go, right? That's what happens here. He's older, he's a father-in-law, you don't admit that to somebody younger than you, somebody beneath you. You think if I hear a sermon that one of my friends preaches and it's great, I'm going to call and tell him? Well, I should. But you, we don't see this enough in the life of the church, this giving away of encouragement like this. And it's not just encouragement for what you've done and, and helped me see spiritually, but it's this encouragement in verse 18. Look, you're going to wear yourself out. It's this giving of grace. Nobody gives grace. Everybody in our culture gives truth. This giving of grace to Moses who really needs to hear this. Look, you don't don't have to take that on. You're going to wear yourself out. Moms, it's a great day to remember your great call upon your lives. With the children of our church or if you're a mom in, in your own family but they're comes a time where we need to hear from a mentor to say are you are you doing too much do we need to talk about some support from either your spouse or from friends or from church family we can wear ourselves out in our serving and giving and that's what Moses with all great and good intentions I just want to give him the statutes of God I want to do and he's killing himself and then also you see it with dads too. You see it with ministry leaders and volunteers. You see it in friendships. That somehow it becomes all about us and we're constantly giving and we won't let others help us and speak a word of grace into our lives. Hey, yes, you've got great intentions, but what about this way? It doesn't have to all be on you. By the way, did Moses ask for this encouragement? No, Jethro being a good mentor just offered it. It's a word for us when we mentor and counsel others. He clearly needed it. He was being worn out, but it took somebody else calling it out in his life. And it's it's why we need that. The Bible's clear about these things of shared ministry and of God's love and grace. The Spirit always is speaking to us of Christ's love for us and empowering us. But sometimes I I might push back those voices and allow my doubts or my fears or my busyness to get in the way. And I need somebody face to face. I was part of a Facebook interview a couple of weeks ago with a, a, a guy that I had mentored a couple of years ago. And he wanted us to talk about mentorship and the importance of doing that asking that question can somebody speak into my life because listen he saw it in his life I've seen it in my life where I can write off scripture of the spirit and just say I'm not good enough God will never do that I don't have the gifts for that God will never do that or I'm fearful about something and I won't press through feelings might get the better of us thinking maybe God could never do that and I need someone up close To say, stop doing what you're doing, Moses. You're going to wear yourself out and everybody else. I was watching a YouTube series recently with a panel of uh, large pastors. And Reverend Matt Chandler, Good Reformed Baptist, was speaking in that group. And one of the things he said was, is that church is messy. And that's one of the reasons we can't meet together. Because church is messy messy. It's face to face. It's close up. He even used the word smelly. I won't use that word, uh, but it is messy. Uh, I don't know where you're watching from today. Maybe it's a a couch uh, because of our technical difficulties. Maybe you had to move into the kitchen or to a chair, or maybe you're watching from outside. Do you remember back in the day, whether it was High school or maybe college, you would beg the teacher to let class go outside. Maybe you're finally having class outside. Maybe you're sipping on coffee. Maybe you're in your pajama pants. That's wonderful. I'm just glad you're here with us and worshiping with us. But ultimately, that is not God's desire for, for distance. We have to do that for a season. Even Moses at one point, because of people, wore a mask to cover his face. We know that story. But church is supposed to be messy and smelly. This is a a good substitute for where we are now. And I'm so glad we're doing it and being careful and not doing harm. But church is a gathered body. We eat together. And when you eat together, it gets messy. When we eat bread and juice and how much I miss communion right now. When we eat that, every time we share in that meal, somebody's spilling grape juice on me. Every time we do it, it's messy. I can't wait to put, the baptismal waters on another baby's head, or an adult's head, or on a teenager's head. Worship and life together as church family is messy. The way in which we pass the peace may end up having to change, but I love it because it's. All of us getting together, and yes, it's messy. We cry over those who grieve. This fall, I'm hoping and praying, and we might have to have a hazmat suit, but I want to put my hands and join with family to put my hands on our confirmands who have said yes to Jesus Christ. Christianity is to be face-to-face, and sometimes it's messy. To Moses and to our church... When there is no one face-to-face encouraging us, we may miss what God is wanting to say to us. I love that Jethro takes the initiative to say a word because so many times we can miss that word. And in this season, whatever season you're in, we need that kind of encouragement. When Jesus went to face, we've said it before, when Jesus went into the wilderness, it was the Spirit who led him. And then it was angels who came and ministered to him. When David's fighting his battles with Saul and being, being scared to death about what might happen, it's Jonathan who comes along and encourages encouragement, whether it's Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Timothy. You see that pattern throughout the scriptures. Will you let a Jethro just give you a break, speak grace into your life, to speak spiritually into your life about how God has ministered, to that person because of you. Church, are you open to the encouragement of God through other people? Will you listen to that and find that and seek that out? But secondly, you go through verses 17 through 23. Not only do all of us need encouragement, but yes, we still need truth and we need accountability. And you see that here. Listen. A word, a word of truth is easy to find in this world. It's easy to find truth. I remember being, in, I was just auditing a seminary class. and It was about uh, the church in Acts and the evangelism there. And my professor called me out and says, hey, tell us what your church is doing for Easter. How are you reaching out to your community? And I, I just listed off several things. We're doing this, 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 and this, and this. And in front of the whole class, there's somebody who's not even taking it for credit. And the professor's a friend of mine. His response was, that's it? Yes, sorry, that's it. I thought it was this long. He was saying that you can do more. The world's quick, and we can be quick to give accountability and to give truth, but there's something right about that. As long as 1 John 1:14, when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth, it's always gotta be coupled with grace. Truth doesn't have grace, it's not real truth, it's not God's truth. But we all need a voice of accountability in our lives. Jethro sees that without this correction, Moses is going to have the life sucked out of him. And you have those people. We all have those people that will suck the life out of us on Mother's Day, right? Just the way you're spent for your kids or for your grandkids or the way you're spent blessing the children of our church by volunteering in our children's ministries or student ministries. And we need somebody to say the truth to us, enough's enough. As we've gone through our Bible reading plan, we saw in First Samuel 25 somebody who wouldn't receive accountability, Nabal. Now, on Mother's Day, it's right to, to lift up his wife then, Abigail, because the Scripture says there she was intelligent and beautiful. But when it comes to him, what the detail that's pointed out of his life is he couldn't hear from anybody. Nobody could speak to him. His very name, it says later, means fool or somebody who's led to folly. And we see his downfall. Why? Because he's somebody that wouldn't receive accountability or truth. And listen, we live in a culture where it's hard, it's hard to give truth to our friends and our brothers and sisters because it's a, it's, it's a culture that's so easily offended. And so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to say, hey, after I've checked the, right, we looked at that passage about a year ago. I've checked the log in my own eye, but this is what I see going on in your life. Is that true? Could, could, do you need to give this up, Moses? We don't want to do that. We tippy-toe around each other, and we're going to miss some things. If we don't allow people to speak truth, to have a life and an attitude where people should have this freedom to speak into our lives. Sarah and I have been watching a YouTube series. It's a roundtable of some of the most famous pastors in our culture. It was filmed eight or ten years ago. But it's a roundtable where they talk about differences in theology and ministry. We were watching one particular episode and I noted to Sarah, here are seven pastors right here on this format. Three of them are, are no longer in ministry. Three out of the seven. And one of those three had said openly on that video, I don't have a pastor. Now, I pastor all these people, and I pour into all these people, but I don't have a pastor. In other words, I don't have the encouragement, but I also don't have the accountability. And this guy, according to church reports, was walking over everybody. He was bullying folks. You don't want to know what the other two guys did? Shame on you. Gossips. You shouldn't talk about that. But they were doing and acting in ways that wasn't fitting for a pastor. And by the way, as I continue to watch those videos, I realized not only did three out of seven remove, and these are some of the most famous, their churches are, are larger than most churches in our country. The fourth one had to step out a minute. He stepped out of pastoral ministry for a while. And then the fifth one, I just saw a report this week where the fifth one, his friend, the vice president of his uh, ministry organization was forced out, for again, for being a bully and domineering people and, and, and crushing people. People can't speak into our lives. And that, and that person, uh, that, that fifth person, ended up uh, saying, I stopped pursuing friendships. Another way to say that, he said, is I stopped being known, and that was the beginning of the end. Can people speak into your life? That same seminary professor who called me out, shares the story of throwing discus in college. And he went to the Nationals and did really well with his throw. And as he was walking around the track after his throw, he had heard that the number one track coach in all the country was talking about him. So he got up real close to the track coach to see if he could hear it from this other team. He didn't hear anything. So finally he pestered that coach. Hey, heard you were talking about me. What were you going to say? And the coach looked at him in the eye and said, son, you've got this little hop in your step. If you didn't have that hop in your step and we just throw it like you're supposed to throw it, you could have thrown for 20 more feet. Now, my professor did the math in his head. That meant he would have won the national championship. So he raced back to where his coach was and said, Hey, coach, if you'd have told me this, if you'd have told me to get rid of this hop, I could have been the national champion. Why didn't you tell me? And he said this wonderful, God-fearing, lovely man grabbed him by his shirt, pulled him down and looked him right in the eye and said, I've been telling you that every year you've you've been here. Get rid of that hop. Could have been national champion if he'd just had listened to somebody speaking into his life. Moses was about to lose a lot more than a championship. You and I, if we won't allow truth and encouragement spoken into our lives, we can lose a lot more. How is it? That we need to hear encouragement and truth. Because it's, and this is the kicker, and this is the, the scary word of this passage. It's not just me. It's not just me, Moses would say, and realize it's not just me who's wearing out, but Jethro points out, you're killing everybody around you, too. How is it? How is it that we parent How is it that we do work? How is it that we do friendships? How is it we do volunteer groups or ministry groups where we're not wearing out everybody else too? Can you hear encouragement in your life where, where God wants to say, look what you've done, receive that, it's okay. Hey, maybe think about this so you can be refreshed, but also this word of encouragement. We need that word. We need that word. Let's pray about that. Father, I thank you for this model that you give to us in Moses where we can, we can be open to and hear encouragement. Some of us back away from that, thinking we're not worthy or we don't seek that out. As, Mo, as Jethro gave him this word, I thank you that he received it. was blessed by the encouragement of Jethro's worship experience, of, of Jethro giving correction. I pray for ourselves that we would model what Jesus gave, that our words would be grace and they would be truth. Help us to mentor, but Father, help us never to find ourselves in a place where we won't allow a Jethro or a Paul, Naomi, somebody to speak into our lives, whether we need to hear encouragement or truth. And Father, I pray we'd be open to that because we are in a different season. We thank you for your purposes and plans to bring us out of the wilderness. It's in your son's name that we pray. It's for his glory and for his kingdom that we pray. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and always. And all of God's people said, Amen.